Hello and welcome back. You're listening to Down the Slope. I'm your host this week. It's Harry instead of Ewan. But we've got four. Ewan's been tagged out, but no offence, Ewan. We've got a bit of an upgrade this week. Um, joining me, we've got Liam. Liam, how are we doing? Uh, you fucking stole my line because I was going to call Ryan for Ewan, one of the best substitutions in Ips history there. But, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you took my line, so I'm doing all right, apart from that. Hey, Greg, um, we're all getting our digs in at Ewan. Do you want to get your first one of the episode out of the way? Oh... How long have you got? <laughs> Hope he's enjoying. Um, yeah, no, nah, he seems to be enjoying himself. Had worse Mondays, I heard. <laughs> and how how are you doing, Greg? As well. I'm all good, brother. How are you? I'm I'm good, thank you. I'm good. Um, well, Liam, I ruined your line, but you then ruined uh, the the guest that we've got on. Ryan, Ryan, welcome back. Second time on the pod, I believe. How are you doing today? I'm good, thanks. Ah, it's been a long time waiting for the second appearance, eh? I know, mate, but um, you have you have informed me that you've been partaking in uh, long bangers Twitter spaces to kind of level yourself up and get ready to come back. Is that correct? I've, I've been using them as like dress rehearsals, eh? So no <laughs> offense to long bangers guys for that, but this is the real deal now. <laughs> We've played a couple of reserve games now. He's at it with the big boys. Uh, I'm up to match speed now. Eh? Well, that's not an that's an argument for you to have with them, not me, thankfully. But boys, um, you know you know my rules. Ha, ha, happy Hibs equals happy Harry. Fourth win in a row. Just Hibs are good vibes at the moment. Liam, just were you expecting? Obviously, Lee Johnson um promised us a good brand of football and was hoping to be the man to turn us around. Did you expect us to get positive results this quickly? I know that you say it's still a project, but it's a good time to be a Hibs fan. Harry, we're, we're only beating teams with ten men. So, can you really be that positive? Can you really, can you really enjoy it as much as we're meant to not enjoy it? No, I, I don't know. Like, I, I, I heard what he said when he said, "Oh, it's a project. It's going to take time." But maybe we'll be saying that in mid-November when we've lost four in a row. Do you know what I mean? Like, I, 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 I don't know. I, I'm, I'm very much of the mind that fixtures the last few weeks have been, I think, relatively kind to us and. That doesn't necessarily always translate into wins, but I think in all of the games that we've played, I think we deserve to take three points quite comfortably, and I don't think Saturday was a, an exception to that rule at all. And Greg, yourself, you're you're known as our as a residential um, most grounded, I think, as as one way to phrase it in terms of your reaction to Hibs. But how how are you feeling about the club at the moment? I'm actually going to dig you up on on last week's comments, Harry. Um, okay. Now, Harry, I, I've got a lot of time for you, a lot of respect. Um, probably go as far as say that I, I can tolerate you um, but Colin <laughs> Hibbs a fun club are you are you alright a fun club uh, do you want to elaborate on why that's so wrong a fun club <laughs> just because when I cut a few games in a row you know like, like Liam says what's it going to be like when we, when we start losing you know I, I just think that, look, we've won four games in a row. That, that, that's good. You know, it's a good platform. I've not, probably not been overly convinced by us. If I'm honest, I think, I think the game at the weekend sort of proved that. I feel like we were, even against 10 men, we maybe sort of couldn't really get out. So, but listen, it is a project. And I know you said 
what, 10, 12 games into the season, we'll get a better, a better judgment. And so far, we seem to have d- done well, but we we still have a long way to go, I think, without being the finished article. All right, well, we're about to get fired into the game, but Ryan, I was looking to throw that question out there to get a bit of positivity kicking about. I didn't expect to be shot down quite so brashly by both Liam and Greg. Uh, Ryan, I see you as an absolute legend who always tries to get to every game across the country, and I always tip my hat off to you for it. How's it been following the team this year so far? We've had quite a few exciting moments. Uh, I No, it has been, it has been decent. I would say that I've been most impressed with the away following this season, considering it tailed off last season for, for various reasons the obvious being uh, underperformance but we've sold out every allocation apart from Ross County when it comes to away games we still took over a thousand there so um, the team have certainly got the back in, in the stands so uh, the three points that they've been picking up uh, is obviously just reward for the fans at the end of the day you know that are making the long trips up to Dingwall and that I mean a thousand trips to Dingwall a thousand fans going up to Dingwall is it's a big number eh yeah, no, hundred percent. So, um, no, I mean, it's been a lot better this season as to what it was at the, the tail end of last season. Even the home games have been quite good in terms of atmosphere and noise, eh? But as for the, the four wins in a row, I, I expected wins in each of those games. So, I could say that my expectations were met. I wasn't um, delighted with how we'd done it. I think there was things we could have done differently. Winning two 0 against Ross County. Probably should have beat them by more. We had a lot of chances. Same again against Motherwell. We maybe mismanaged the game towards the last 10 minutes. Could have scored a few more. So, I mean, it has been good, but there's areas that we still need to improve on. But let's let's get d- diving straight into that. So, Saturday came around. Let's let's take ourselves back to game day. Um, was it was actually quite a nice day in Leith, even though the weather predicted for it not to be. And the team lineup came up. Um, I think quite a lot of people were expecting Yuan to be out from McCurdy to be the only change, but it transpired that there was no changes. And uh, Lee Johnson's kind of got us solid 11 that he's happy to see starting every week. Was there any surprise at the fact that he kept the same lineup? Was there any disappointment that there wasn't a change there? Not well, for me. I was quite happy with it. I yeah. was quite happy until, until Yuan took the four touches in the box when he should have had it first time. <clears throat> um, to be fair, I, I actually drove to the game. Um, it was meant to get in the bus, but traffic was bad enough, so I just drove and, and I'd just like to say that the city council are a disgrace. The state of the city is an absolute shambles. Um, it took me 45 minutes to get across the city and that was going four different detours, so I decided to call them out and say they're an absolute disgrace. Just to confirm, if you've got your Greg Disgrace bingo card out, so far we've got Harry and Edinburgh Council ticked off, so let us know if you get a full house on that one. Ryan, I, I, live, I live closer than Greg, it took me an hour and 10 minutes. So I'd actually, I would take 45 minutes, genuinely. It took me an hour and, hour and 10 minutes with the park closed on Saturday. Like, I know we're here to talk football and no Edinburgh traffic, but like, <laughs> it, is, it is getting to the point now where I can walk Teaster Road quicker than I can. <laughs> I can drive, and I live, I live about eight miles away. That's that's less than ideal. Goodness, we're we're getting some negative Nancy's from Liam and Greg today. Well, but... that's what happens when you've got a bunch of fucking pencil pushers and sitting in the Edinburgh Council, basically trying to keep drivers off the road and not having a good enough public transport system to get people from one place to another. Just not good enough. Well, you know Tory what, council. We... We don't believe in petitions, but we do believe in Twitter <clears throat> polls. So you can all vote on our 
uh, Edinburgh City Council bastard people, and then you can all hit yes on that because I think we can all agree that they are right. Ryan, actually, screw the team lineup. What do you think, uh, Edinburgh Council? Oh man, it takes me the same amount of time to get to Edinburgh from my house as it does to take to get to Easter Road for uh, <laughs> Angleston. Right. So it takes me it takes me a good fifty minutes to get through it sometimes. See the bottom <sighs> of Leaf Walk is the worst bit. Yeah. I, I, like, what, what what takes so long to put a tram line in? Jesus Christ, man! My barber used to do it when I was fourteen. <laughs> Goodness, what <laughs> <laughs> that is a corker. Um, <laughs> but yeah, all right. I, I, this this is this is something, boys. I don't know what's going on tonight. But yeah, anyway, start of the game. The game the game kicked off and. Hibs, I, I felt we got off to quite a good start. I think it's something that we've seen quite a few times this season. We're not really finding the net early in games, but we do seem to come out, running out the gates and just kind of attacking teams relentlessly, not getting too many shots away, but just looking really intense. Um, personally, I was quite I was quite surprised when Greg said that he was unhappy with the way the team has been playing, because for me, I think that we've got a tenacity about us that we've not really had under the last couple of managers. Um, I would say we've not had this form of level of aggression in the team since probably Lennon's days um, and for me even when we aren't playing particularly well moving forward I think we kind of maintain that like aggression through the game um, Liam um, what did you make of the start of the game and then kind of sum up the whole half because there wasn't really too many like wow chances I thought we were really really good for about 15 minutes probably the first 15 minutes of the game I thought we were really really good about putting the ball in back in it like um, all the things you've talked about tempo aggression just I thought all that was spot on. And then I think from about 20 minutes onwards, I think some of the Motherwell players sensed that things weren't going their way and there was a huge amount of rolling about. I think the physio was on maybe three or four times in the space of 10, 15 minutes. It just took the fucking tempo and the pace right out of the game, as it always does. Um, I know that's the right to do that. That's how the game works. Teams can can use that as a, a tool when things aren't going their way to slow things down. But I thought they really they really milked it. I know the boy, I think it was at Spittles ended up with broken ribs yeah. or something so I think his maybe wasn't an instant rolling about but there was quite a few others with the defenders and you know there's something on us in terms of how we manage that so when players do go off or, or the game does slow down we need to find a way to inject that tempo back into the game and hope that's something that we'll work on but now nah, we, we created lots of openings and chances just didn't have the finishing touch and Greg um, overall in the first half at, at half time you were slightly frustrated can you talk us through that yeah I, you know I, Going back to, to what I said previously, I wasn't unhappy with the way we played. I just think in spells we've, we've not been convincing. Um, and it was the same again on Saturday. You know, like, lately I'm serious, we, we started really quickly. We took the game in our control and then we just sort of fell off the end of a cliff. And we couldn't seem to get out. And on half our spells, we couldn't seem to make passes. Nothing was really coming off. And it, it was quite frustrating to watch, to be fair. You know, it... it Obviously, Hibs are only going to just batter teams for 90 minutes. But I felt like we, when the game was slowed down, we didn't do enough to get ourselves um, to get ourselves back in control. But yeah, I mean, like I think it's sort of been the story of Hibs for the past three years. We just we're one half merchants. Like we only, we only play well for one half. Um, and going into half time, like I thought we'd still be okay. I still thought we'd be fine, but. I just want to see a little bit more from us in the, in the attacking areas. Um, a couple of good chances in the first half that we just didn't take. The, the scramble in the box where I think four or five folk had an effort and, and nobody could actually hit the ball. So we had chances, but I just felt we, we lacked that edge in the final third. 
Yeah, I think I think the word you put was just simply wasteful, which I think is kind of a good way to summarise the team and the way it's been, particularly against eleven men, whatever it's transpired this season so far. Um, but Ryan, ra- random one that I saw today was the fact that Hibs have got the second most fouls in the league after Kilmarnock. We're not actually picking up too many bookings for our triples, but we are getting properly stuck in. Do you think that's part of some like is that a culture change that Lee Johnson's intentionally pushing for? I can see Liam smiling because he knows what I'm going to say. I, I think, do know what you're uh, going to say. <laughs> <laughs> I think Hibs give away an enormous amount of petty fills that only needed, but at the same time, they are only bookings, right? And uh, in, in the last three or four home games, they've all happened in the last 15, 20 minutes when it kind of does give the, the opposition a chance to get back into the game, whether it be through a ball in the box or working something to, to get near our goal. Uh, it's something that needs to stop. It is the most infuriating thing ever. Eh? It's uh, little short pulls or tugging at a player or even when we're pressing and we've got the other team down in their own kind of corner flag area, we, we seem to just give away fills all the time, whether it's clumsiness or, or you know, just being stupid. Um, so that, that could be one of the reasons that we've had the most fills again, to be honest with you. Um, it's not necessarily getting stuck in because, I mean, I would probably average out with the rest of the teams, but it's the petty fouls, man. They've got to stop. Aye, the rules are worse for that. I was going to say, I, I, I need to stop Aye. calling it. I need to stop calling out John Yule because I always do. But I was going to say he's kind of got that reputation of just grabbing players and kicking them in the ankles just to annoy them. Like he does it yeah. all the time, eh? But he is the worst for it. Whenever he's chasing a boy back, you just see the arm coming round, and that's mm-hmm. it. He's pulled them back. Stupid foul. He's going nowhere. Although I must say, I'm surprised Spittle actually broke ribs with that tackle in the first half. They I looked absolutely nothing in it. Uh, didn't look bad. Be it fair, must have been I'd, I'd, I'd broken ribs and still played three other times that week, so maybe Bill Spittle <laughs> needs to grow up. And that is something we can all agree with. Spittle, get going. Uh, but yeah, then, then half-time rolled around and yeah, personally, I was quite happy going into half-time. How, how was the atmosphere around the stadium where... I think the Boo Boys weren't out at all. It was just kind of mellow. No, it was just pretty, pretty down the middle. I don't think anyone was really booing. I don't, I don't think there was really any, any reaction to the halftime whistle. From what I, I, don't remember. That, I thought the atmosphere was really good on Saturday. We, we missed yeah. out a key thing at the start. I think Sozzy being there gave everyone a bit of a lift. I know he was only on the pitch for about what felt like maybe about 15 seconds, but I felt like that gave everyone quite a bit of a boost. Um, I thought the attendance actually on Saturday looked really good as well. I know there's a few photos doing the rounds that not be full, but there was four boys, uh, I don't know if you were in at this point, Ryan, but there were four or five young boys who were trying to find a seat in the East because there was no other seats and they ended up sitting oh, in really? where the wee false sort of TV gantries at the top ah. of the East and then the security boys came and chucked, chucked them out of there because um, <laughs> there, there was no other seats where they could sit together in the East, so it was, it was pretty cool. Even the famous five lower, I thought ah. it was good. Um, the only real... The only part of the, uh, the stadium struggling is that part of the famous five upper where the singing section used to sit. But nah, I thought just attendance and atmosphere was really good. Even at half time, I didn't, I didn't feel like the fans were getting on the players' back or anything. To be honest, on Saturday, I just thought the mood was was, ge- was generally really good. Obviously, there was moments of frustration, um, but I, I didn't feel like the team ever lost the crowd. I felt like the crowd are sticking by by the team. Like we can see what they're trying to do. It maybe doesn't come off all the time and, and that's where the frustration comes in but you know, I think the fans are really sticking by the team and, and it's good to see because obviously we've seen atmospheres in the past under Maloney and, right, and uh, Jack Ross where the, the fans just straight away are against the team and 
you can feel the, the energy change, but I feel there has been a real shift in the, in the atmosphere this season and getting the attendances back make a big difference. Definitely. Aye. And then move, moving into the second half itself, um, I always get my timelines wrong when I look back at games, especially at moments that were relatively close to one another. But I believe that, I, I don't think it should even be discussed, but it will be. Um, the penalty incident for Motherwell, I think, took place at the very start of the second half, I think even before the red card incident. Um, are, are you even aware of the penalty incident that I'm referring to? Is that I that, 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 yeah, so essentially, um, I think it was Shields went down. So they had a set piece, crossed it into the box, and then Shields like moved away from goal to get the ball. And then, you know, when like a defender will like, follow the player out? And then Hanlon, from the looks of it for me, didn't make any contact. Shields went down. And sports scene are saying with VAR, it would have been a penalty. And I just, like, watch watch it back, because honestly, I was, I was clueless to it, and I was like, I don't know what they're talking about. That is never a penalty in a million years. Um, yeah, so, no, yeah, I didn't see it live time or anything like that. I didn't really see any fuss over it, so, uh, and I refused to watch sports scene. I, it's, it's something I'm trying this season, mate, and it's it's not going to last much longer because it is a struggle. Like, uh, Mikey Stewart wasn't even brave enough to be on again after Ryan Porteous had a good couple of weeks. So we'll see if he ever returns. Um, but yeah, speaking of Ryan Porteous, the man of the moment um, ended up in an attacking position and getting Motherwell a red card. Um, obviously, it's a cause for concern how many red cards our opponents are picking up this season. Um, but there should, there's no complaints at all there. Um, it was just an absolute calamity of a counter-attack, and I don't know how we managed to get the ball near the edge of the box. But absolute red card, correct decision from the ref, and that's, that red card was kind of what it is, isn't it? I think he's gone the ref there. I think it's blatant <laughs> cheating. Yeah, it's a smart play from Porteous though, because the ball does break and he reacts far quicker than Shields does. But obviously, they're kind of in parallel positions. Like a centre back getting tracked back by a striker was a very bizarre situation to be in. Um, but it was, it was it was good play from Porteous. You know, that's a, it was messy play to build up. That it was the worst counter attack I've ever seen in my life. Oh, it was horrific. Eh? There was about two or three passes that were just all over the place and hitting off the back of the guy who's trying to pass it to him. But Porteous did a little press up pretty well though, isn't he? Yeah, Josh Campbell tackling Martin Boyle. I, I wouldn't even say a, a smart play from Boyle. I think he's just been instinctive. He's gone and picked the ball up and like he's driving at goal. Not sure what the end product would have been, but uh, the boy's pulled him back because he knows he's nowhere near him. And like it's a straight there that there's not even a question about it. And Liam, I, I actually felt after the red card, Motherwell probably had their best spell of the game, to be honest. I, I think that for some reason, they actually seemed to come out a bit more after they went down to 10. It's like, because obviously when you've got 10, most teams will sit and then they'll try and hit you at the very end and get that goal and take the smash and grab. Whereas Motherwell kind of attacked us for about 10 minutes and then started sitting in. Did you get that vibe as well? Or did you think the game kind of continued down the same path? Uh, a wee bit the um, aye, I mean, they, had, they probably had a sort of five, ten minute spell at the beginning of the second half as well, where I thought they looked decent. I thought the boy effort, uh, I think yeah. he number 11, I thought he caused those problems aye. for for spells in the game, not 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 on a consistent basis, but just every now and again. When he had picked, picked up the ball and there was a bit of space for him to run into, I thought he looked quite dangerous. Um, Van Dien was very, very quiet um, by his standards against Tibbs. I didn't really think he did anything remarkable, to be honest, in the game. Um, but they, 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 they had wee spells but I think Motherwell have proven under Stevie Hamill they're, they're not a bad side um, I think they were going 
I think they were absolute search for relegation under Graham Alexander, and I think they were probably right to make the pretty swift call. Um, I think they'll be all right this season because they've got enough. They've got enough in their locker probably to finish tenth or higher. But yeah, they. Uh, they they, they, they they kind of caused us some issues without really ever making the goalkeeper work. I can only say that he really made was Sean, the one for Sean Goss from range where yeah. he kind of brings down his left foot. Mm-hmm. That was it. That's all Marshall had to do. But if be first to clear on the ball, which he's very good at. That was a, that was a, that was a decent save. But again, you know, sound of a good goal is a goalie that does nothing all game and then pulls out a save like that. So I think, I think the defence have been good the last few games and have probably been Handler's biggest critic. Um and I, I think he I think he looks so much more comfortable. You know, he's playing alongside Portis. He, he looks like he looks like a football player again. He, he's heading the ball. He's he's not even getting involved in the physical stuff. You know, and I think against Van Veen that's very easy where you can get dragged into that. But he he just played his own game and he's he's been superb to be honest. And three clean shoots out of four games speaks volumes. And I you guys know. Very oh. Sorry, I was just going to say I thought that he was. Or he has been pretty neat and tidy, and everything that he's done on the ball as well. I haven't seen him really put any big uh, wild diagonal mm. passes or straight in like that. He's kind of. Oh, there was the one on Saturday. To be fair, I knew you wouldn't miss it if there was one though. Ah, listen, I, I don't miss much. <laughs> um, nah, he, he'd look at it went out of play because that's what every diagonal pass that he plays does. But defensively, he was very good. Hey. And you guys know how I love a segue. And speaking of defenders, Hibs go up the other end and yet another game in which a defender's given us a lead. And it was the same boy as last week. Liam's uh, prophecy of Ryan Porteous becoming the top goal scorer in world football might well be coming true. Liam, how did Ryan Porteous manage to get that much power on a header? Because it wasn't even coming fast towards him. He just, bang, back of the net. I think you see the starting position of where his feet are to where he ends up, and he he, he really does throw everything at it in sort of a diagonal kind of fashion, which is why he gets so much on it. Um, it was it was a very impressive, very impressive header, which has kind of been overlooked because there was a huge amount of chat about concussion protocols and all that shit. On not all that shit, actually, I shouldn't have dismissed that because it's quite important. But like there, there was quite a lot of chat about. The whole incident and leading up to it in the red card, that it's maybe been missed actually how good how good a header that was, um, and the determination that he showed to go and win it because, you know, in some respects he was there to be won, but you've got to go and get it, and uh, he, yeah, he just he just does a very good job of putting it in a place that William Kelly kind of get to. He's got to be the weakest goalkeeper in the league, eh? William <laughs> Kelly. I've never ever seen a guy at a professional level football look so small. Like in the goals, eh? He's just small in all proportions as well. Eh? Like it's just nothing to him at all. Like anyway, small limbs. Maybe I'll if he just... had longer limbs, he'd be decent. <laughs> I was like just think Andy McNeil was really small. He was Andy McNeil used to get called Lofty. Though. That was his nickname, eh? Like <laughs> so. Uh, no, um, uh, he is really small for a goalie. Like, hey. but um, as we know, tall goalies aren't everything. We know that tall goalies don't necessarily mm. mean good. We goalies. need somebody in the middle, somebody about David Marshall's size. Hey, all right, let's let's segue away from Greg for a second, just because <laughs> if we come to him on tall goalies, we'll be here all day. But Ryan, mm. um, we've not given you the chance yet to give Ryan Porches some praise. Just how good has that man been the last couple of weeks? He's been his best player by by a distance, I would say. 
the um, everything he does, he does with purpose. You know, he start he starts the tax from the back, and when he goes to win a ball, he does it with a purpose that he's going to win it. Uh, he just everything he does, he you know, he's passionate about it. He shows aggression in his tackles. I think also like he sets an example to those around about him, and maybe the new players coming in, it shows kind of what the club can mean to the fans because he's kind of a reflection of that, isn't he? Ah, definitely. You know, so I, think... I, I think he drives the standards up, definitely. He's that kind of guy that's probably nipping at training and moaning all the time for the right reasons. So uh, when he takes on to the pitch room and he doesn't get involved in any of the nitty-gritty stuff, I think it shows a good example for those around about him. So both in the way that he's playing and the way he's behaving has been a massive attribute to him. Definitely. And um, Greg, just because we're singing Poaches' praise, have you got anything else to add on? No, just a top quality centre-half that... <clears throat> Whether he signs in the deal or not, it's a privilege and a pleasure to watch him every week. 100%. It is. And as you know, here, can we just remind all the listeners that you and say they'd sell on Millwall for 500k? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. I love fucking oh. digging cuts out when they're on the pod. Like, especially <laughs> when Kenny's going to be listening to this tomorrow morning in Sunlight Show. I would seriously. Sell purchase for 500k. If someone came in for him, 500k, I'd sell him. He's yours. I am. Um, I actually remember saying that I would rather watch him for last season and let him go for nothing um, and sell him for whatever. So let's just dig about a game, right? Because he's said so many bad things on the pod and it's funny. Um, Gustavo, this is your life, you and Wilson. Imagine how many Sean Mackies you could buy with that 500k, guys. Come on, left back well, for he, days. He, he, he wanted Cadden dropped and he wanted Sean Mackey given a lifetime deal. So <laughs> I, I'm sure he'll tweet us tomorrow with something <laughs> not even remotely funny, but he's trying to be witty about. Do, yeah. do you know the funny thing is, look at the career trajectories of Josh Doig and Sean Mackey. Like, Josh Doig's pulling up trees in Serie A and Sean Mackey, no disrespect, <laughs> but he's probably found his level at League One. Yeah. Yeah. Tells you all you need to know about that shout. Okay, hope hope you're enjoying does... your holiday, you <laughs> <laughs> Don't rush back. I hope you were <laughs> no, enjoying your holiday. You definitely know if you're listening to this. Goodness. Absolutely mm. bastard. Um, but yeah, on, on the game itself, as, as we um, touched on earlier, there wasn't really anything to worry in from Motherwell. Um, Motherwell aren't aren't a bad team by um, any stretch of the season, I think it's fair to say, but we looked untroubled again. That's our third clean sheet in four games. Um, defensively, we looked absolutely immaculate. So we'll do what we do after most wins. Um, and we'll all just give praise to a couple of players that we noticed and we thought were our shiny little stars. Um, so for me, first up, I thought Noan Kenner probably had his best game in a hipstop. I thought he was absolutely immense. I think Motherwell's midfield absolutely collapsed every time he was anywhere near them. And I think he just brings a presence. I, I hate the whole unlocking other players because I don't necessarily think it's true. Man, you peddled that about Pogba for about four seasons. Every single new signing in the midfield would unlock Pogba and it never happened. But Joan Yule does look like a different player when Kenner's on the pitch. So I definitely think there is something either chemistry-wise or system-wise that suits when they're both on the field together. So for me, Kenner just to annoy Liam, is the first name on the team sheet. No, nah, I'm joking, nah, but uh, Kenna definitely um, is an all-max starter. And another one as well for me, before I move on to you, Ryan, you're coming next. Um, I think Campbell, again, was good. I, I just, every time he's good, I want to give him his credit because I was really harsh on him last year and I want to try and 
retract as much as possible because he has been really, really good. And again, I thought he was consistent. I think he looks comfortable on the ball and he's an absolute nuisance when chasing people down. And he's just such a nice player to have in the team. Um, but Ryan, who was a couple of players that impressed you at the weekend? Uh, so I won't go for anybody obvious, but we've, we've already touched on Paul Hanlon. So I would say that his form is probably coinciding with Ryan Portis's form and it's all coming together at the right time, which is which is great for us. And uh, Kukarevic, is that how you say it? Yeah, we'll had, go for that had, today. <laughs> had problems with that in the past, but uh, he's actually been he's actually been quite good up front. Uh, focal point, he's, his feet are decent as well for a big guy. There was a couple of times he kind of drifted out wide and tried to create something going towards the byline. And uh, he's more than just a target man, which is quite impressive considering the size of me. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, no, 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 he had a good game as well. So happy with that. Nice, definitely. And Liam, a couple of guys yourself? I think we've all named two players each. That'll mean that we've all named ninety percent of the starting lineup. Yeah, no, you, Saturday, can, you so can name the same players one. again. Yeah, I'll just no, I'll just name, I'll just name one. I think Barry Wilkins did a really good job interviewing Frank Sauzy for the game. I thought it was absolutely superb. <laughs> <laughs> and Greg, anybody, even if we've mentioned them, that overly impressed you? Uh, Kukovic, <clears throat> um, definitely him. Marshall again. Um, yeah. I've just said it too. I mean, you know, I think Joe Newell was good as well, but it's a, it's a team game. Teammates. So, yeah, nah, listen, everyone's got a part to play. I thought everyone done well. I um, thought Martin Boyles would be a little bit quiet throughout the game, but still managed to rack up an assist. So. Um, a couple of players that are worrying me a bit, I'd be interested to get all your thoughts on. Um, Ellie Yuan for me, I think looks like a really tricky player. I, I, I would hate to defend against him, but I just think he takes far too many touches. Like Greg touched on it earlier. At one point, he had the ball, and he could have just whacked it, but then he, he took it to the side, then he took it inside, tried to go back inside, and then he took a shot, and it's like, if you just hit that straight away, you probably at least test the keeper. I, I don't know if he's overthinking things, or if he just... Uh, for me, just hit the ball. Hit the ball. Ellie Yuan um, and stop frustrating me there's quite a lot of murmurs on Twitter and I don't I don't think they're quite I don't think they're warranted I think he's a good player it's had a good season and just because he's not scoring goals I don't think makes him a flop or useless what's what's the consensus on Yuan at the moment? I like him I still really like him um, I think there is on Saturday I thought I was, came away for the game feeling like there's maybe just a bit of a like football brain lacking like I just think he makes a lot of bad decisions Um but I still think he's a talented player. Um, I heard someone uh, on Saturday, I didn't realise that he couldn't speak English. Um, and I think there's maybe an element of some stuff being lost in translation a wee bit, just in terms of what he's been asked to do. Because I think sometimes he, he doesn't release it when he should release it. Um, so I think your point about too many touches is right, Harry. Um, but also he does some quite strange things in the box and around the box at times as well, which are just are not maybe... They don't look like what he's been instructed to do for me sometimes. And then I think times where he should get away from people and make a run away from the ball or go wide, he kind of comes into the central areas. And I just, I don't know, either he is doing what he's been told and he's right or he's not quite understanding the instruction. But for me, there's definitely a player there. And I do think left wing's is the right position, by the way. I don't think he's number nine. Um, but I, I can understand why he's starting to frustrate, frustrate some folk. And for me, it's like uh, decision making and, and like key key moments. Eh? There was he was dribbling. He was he just inside the box on Saturday, 
He had a touch, it was right in front of him, and instead of squaring it or shooting, he decided to take another touch and dribbled it out of play. So it's like decision-making at the vital moment. Aye, and Greg, I know you've been a bit frustrated with him, especially over the weekend. Yeah, I think <clears throat> when I had that chance early on on Saturday, I was just hit the thing, you know, whether it's left foot or no, just, just get a shot away. And then he had another one, and <clears throat> I don't know if it's a confidence thing or or if that's just the sort of player he is, he just wants so many touches. But I think it's going to get to the point where if he's not scoring, then he will be taken out of the team and I think McCurdy will probably be the one to get the nod. But <clears throat> look, he, he's got ability, there's no question about that. But I feel like in the box, he just crumbles and he doesn't know what he's doing. Um, but outside the box, and his, his build-up play is good. He, he's got nice touches, nice flicks. <clears throat> but as soon as he gets in the box, he just seems to really struggling it's almost like he's caught in, in a few different minds and in, in, in what to do so um, I don't know if he need, look, might need more coaching or whatever but I think might get to the point where he is, he is taking out the team and for me interesting you touched on McCurdy there because <coughs> I know it's been an incredibly small sample size and it might be a bit harsh from me but I've not been overly impressed in his cameos late in the game. I, th- I think like the, the good thing that's there is there's a lot of effort. I don't think that he's shying away from wanting the ball, but I just think when he's been on the ball, he's been a bit disappointing. I think he tries to be direct, but he maybe gets a bit overexcited. It's like, you know, when you get a puppy and they get a new toy and they're just like, oh my God. Um, he seems a bit like that whenever he's on the field. Um, so for me, I think he just needs to calm down and just chill out a bit. Ryan, what's, what was your initial impression from the first couple of times you've seen McCurdy come on? It's difficult to really have any opinion on him just now because yeah. of the very limited amount of minutes that he's played. Um, there's obviously a wee bit of fanfare surrounding him. Um, a lot of people are calling for him to come in. I don't know what they're basing that off of because as as somebody that watches Hibs, not Swindon, we, we can't really say because I haven't seen anything. I'd love to be able to be shouting for him to come in, but uh, from, as you say, from what we've seen, a lot of effort, little product. Um I don't know if he's the kind of player that maybe just can't come onto a game when he comes on as a sub or if he's frustrated that he hasn't been on from the start yet, but still to see something. I mean, there's no doubt he's probably got ability because he brought him in for a sizable fee, but he's going to have to he's going to have to start showing something in the next couple of games that he plays for the fans to really be, be shouting for him. Liam? I think he's looked okay. I think he's looked okay. Um, yeah, he's, he's, high, he's high in energy. You know, he kind of looks out a bit different from most of the other players in the team. So I think you notice a lot of what he what he does in terms of just physically how he looks. Um, I haven't really seen any product from him that really suggests there's anything spectacular there at the moment, but it's just such a small sample size. Uh, I can't really say too much. Um, nah, I'm not. I'm, I'll just be honest. Like, I, I'm... I support every player who plays Hibs, but I'm just I'm struggling to see what all the excitement was about at this at this moment in time. Uh, and I think the the ball across the box and Saturday, no one was really talking about it, but that's a guilt edge chance when he misses the header. Hmm. I know it flashes across him, but he's got to be prepared and he's got to get something on that for me. And Greg, just to change it up slightly for you, um, Dundee United, who are you starting, McCurdy or you at? Uh, McCurdy. And why so? Just think they're there to be got at. I think a striker who's who's got a good goal scoring record. Um I think he, he deserves I think he deserves a start to be honest. 
Um, we can we can get him involved and running at them, then I think I think we'll be okay. Um, I think that although the result of the night was a good one for them, I still think they're vulnerable at the back. Um, you look at the chance Miofsky missed. You know, I think anyone in the team puts that away. But yeah, I just think they're there to be got at. McCurdy's McCurdy's pace coming off the off the left. I would rather see that than than Yuan, who maybe isn't the most confident at the moment, tries to take too many touches in the box. Um, I might be miles off it, but for me, that, that's what I would do. Fair enough. And um, yeah, I think I think we'll leave the Motherwell game there. I, I think it's fair to say not too many things happened. They tried to force some controversy with the penalty. It definitely wasn't. Absolute red card that can't really be dis- debated. And then just a bog standard good goal for Hibs. Well, not bog standard. It was an absolute power header. Like, you know, you're, did you ever play? Te- we called it ten and down or sting. When we'd have like the rules in around the box. Like that was a proper power header from Porteous. Like you know, when it gets to the final one, you have to do a strong header to get it by the keeper. Well, those ones, Corker. Um, but yeah, uh, moving on. We won't touch on the Dundee United game too much, just because we've already done a preview for that. Then um, a certain person decided to derail all my plans by dying. So that was selfish. Um, but now the game has been rearranged for this coming Tuesday. Um, and Hibs travelled to Tandrice. And much like most of the games we've played this season, teams tend to have their best result of the season just before they play us. Um, Dundee United absolutely thumped a struggling um, Aberdeen side. Uh, but yeah, being honest, coming into this game, I'm not overly worried about Dundee United. But Ryan, come to you first again. Um, would you rather be playing Dundee United now? Or would you have rather played them when... We initially were scheduled to play them. Um, kind of six and a half a dozen. Although I think we probably got a wee bit more of a bounce and a bit more confidence now than we might have had done at the time, just based off the fact we picked up another two wins since then and on our two clean sheets. So, um, given the base that we're working off now in terms of the defensive mm-hmm. structure, I think it's a good time to play them. Although they've just beat Aberdeen four 0 we're a totally different proposition. We don't look like a team that's going to concede a lot of goals in comparison to Aberdeen. Um, and I think we've got players coming back from injuries now, which we wouldn't have had done first time round. So obviously, Kyle McGuinness, he, he might even come into the team against Dundee United. So I think, yeah, it probably is quite a good time we'd be playing them. Yeah, and yourself, Liam, um, are you ha- do you think this actually comes at a better time with us? Because obviously back then, there was no momentum at all for Dundee United, but Hibs were kind of low in confidence and not looking great. But I think we definitely look a lot better now than we did then. Um, I I don't know. I'm not sure. I'm, I, I I'm I'm quite big on timing being quite important for fixtures, but I don't. I just don't really know how to read this one. I think in some respects, it's kind of ideal team time for both teams. To be honest, that we've we've won four in a row. We're going to take a bumper crowd at Tanadice. Um, but then for them, you know, they've just finally broken broken the duck of not having won a game this season. So. I, I think both teams will be looking at this and saying this is good timing from 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 both their points of view. Um, you know, similar well, same recovery. PBA Julie Saturday to Tuesday. I know that can be quite difficult because don't really not really a huge amount you can do on the Monday in terms of preparation two days after a game. So I think it'll be I think it'll be fine. I think it'll be both teams will be thinking it's it's perfect. Yeah, and um, I I remember at the start of the season, Greg, uh, Dundee United looked like they were going to be an alright team. Obviously, we didn't understand quite how bad Jack Ross was going to do there. I don't think anybody expected it to go down quite how it did. Um, under um, Liam, I was about to call him Scott Fox, under Liam Fox, um, 
Is, is this an okay Dundee United side? Is this a side that you could see potentially pushing top six, or do you reckon that they'll still be kind of thin around that bottom end of the table? I don't, I don't see them pushing top six. Um, I don't think they've got enough. I think I think the best they'll get is maybe seventh or eighth. I don't think they'll be any higher than that. I, I, certainly, they, they've not really got any players that worry me. Um, I know Tony Watt started scoring a couple of goals this season, but you know I think we, we've proved that we can defend properly and we can score goals. So I'm really not concerned. I mean, I know that Charlie McGrew's been been poor this season, so you know I, there's nobody in that team that really worries me. Um, Niskanen's a good player, but even then, I, I wouldn't be that concerned going up against them. Yeah, and um, if if we're looking at this team, where where about is it that Hibs can kind of get at them? Because away um, Ross County and at home to Motherwell, it was two places that I thought personally that we could get at those teams. I, th- I thought they played a particular type of football that Hibs kind of counteracted. In terms of this Dundee United side, where should Hibs be looking to exploit? We'll come to you for that one, Liam. Our front three against their back three, simple as we've got pace and abundance, and they've got none. So I, I just I honestly think it's as simple as that. I think when we previewed this game. When it was originally supposed to happen, it was something we spoke about a fair bit of length. Um, I think our, our our quickness up top and our ability to get the ball forward in uh, positions, potentially in behind that back three, but I also think just even facing them up, I think will cause them problems. Guys coming deep to pick the ball up and running at them. I want to see guys taking players on. I, I think they'll cause them a lot of problems in that respect. I think I think there'll be goals on, on Tuesday night, I really do. Um, Two nil nil, but no, I do, I do, I do genuinely, do genuinely think we, we we will score goals on Tuesday night with the, the threat that we've got up top against the defence because they they will want to play deep, they won't want to play a high line against us, and I think that that poses problems when you've got midfield runners, um, if teams play deep against like say Josh Campbell, so you'll potentially even Kyle McGuinness at the later stages of the game because they expect you'll be a substitute for someone at some point in the game. I think that I think that's a, a worrying prospect for Dundee United to be honest. Yeah, and speaking of Dundee United, the way I, th- I think it's quite a fun, fun away ground to go to. To be honest, I've had quite a g- good few memories there. Um, Greg, we'll come to you first. Have you got any particular Tannadice, um highlights from across the years? Um, the game where we won one 0 in the championship. <clears throat> um, FA Ambrose strolled it that <sighs> night, had a cigar smoke out. Also, the, the 3 0 game in the cup um, last season, I thought we were really good. Is that without not 3 1 Yeah, I don't know. But without actually being that great, I thought we were good. Yeah. John Neal got a goal, didn't he? Yeah, that was. Uh, Scott Allen as well. Oh, Royal what a penalty. Man. Hey, Ryan's coming in with all yeah. the facts. But Ryan, can you can you give us any other games that you've enjoyed at Tanadice? No, I'm going to go recency bias and go for what Greg's in. Uh, nice. I think you were there, Harry, that night, were you not? I was indeed, mate. Yeah. I was indeed. Yeah, I was a decent crowd. No, like purely based on like recent memory, that that's one of the better moments in Canada in recent years. Uh, and then we got to the semi against Rangers after that, didn't we? <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah, we had a couple of good days out then, eh? <laughs> and <laughs> Liam, any any from yourself? Favorite memories? I just turned a dice in general. Grant Brebner's hat trick in the Scottish Cup. Do you know? Oof. Was that like Lee Griffiths at Kilmarnock esque? Uh, better hat trick. Okay. Oh, wow. 
I doubt better atmosphere though, because that one was that was quite a day. That one. And uh, we took a fucking I don't know, like I would say that I I wasn't at the league of Saturday game, but we took a we took some crowd up and they sat there. Um, so I think it would take some beating. Aye, well, some beating. Statement. Am I am I right in saying that Aberdeen proclaimed themselves the best fans in the world for taking four thousand on a Saturday night and and a Hibs not taking like four thousand on a Tuesday night? <laughs> pretty much, aye. Pretty much. There's levels to this. Like a couple of hundred tickets left, I think, and that's it. But they're yeah. still for sale, so I would suspect they'll sell out. Like <laughs> our manager sits in the dugout. The manager sits in the stand. <laughs> Right. Well, my next question, boys. Um, the managers made it kind of easy for us by picking the same team every week. Um, but is is there any changes we're expecting? But you know, you know what? I'll will just ask the obvious question, Greg. You're not going to ask because I've already asked you. But Liam, who are you starting, McCurdy or Yuan? Uh, still Yuan for me. Just because you think he's better option out wide. Uh, I just think I think I think he's I think his pace as well gives gives them problems that maybe McCurdy wouldn't give them. And I do think I do still quite like the balance of having him on the left, the boil on the right. I do feel like if you've got another guy that's got pace on the other side, it doesn't mean that maybe makes it more difficult for defenders or teams to focus on one particular threat. So it's more what he can do for the rest of the team being in being in the team. And Ryan yourself, who would you start? Even though I've just slagged him, I'd probably go for McCurdy. He probably deserves to go from the start. We can see what he's got then. Um, just something different. Dundee United won't really know much about him either um, from his time at Hibs. So be something different for them to, to contend with as opposed to you. And, and that's not, I'm not dropping him out of the team because he's not playing well. Just think that maybe McCurdy's been on the last two, three games. So maybe deserves to go from the start. Yeah, fair. And um, would you personally start McGuinness over anybody, or would you keep the midfield the same? Yeah, if McGuinness is really fit, I'd love to start him. I just don't think it'll happen. Um, I think he's a great ball carrier, and he's quite good on counter attacks. He's he's very fast in transition, so uh, a lot quicker than Joe Newell, who's got like the tendency to hold on to the ball too long sometimes when we're trying to counter. But um, I just can't see it happening yet. I think Johnson's obviously trying to protect him as best he can from any like reoccurrence of his injury. Which is probably the wise thing to do. Ah, and whilst we're winning games, there's no point in risking players to injury and stuff as well. So, but yeah, yeah but um, I mean, what... I'm sure we would all love to see him back in start eleven, though. Eh? Ah, hundred percent. What yeah. what I liked about him on on Saturday was he came on and got stuck in straight away. Aye. He didn't show out tackles. He was he was getting stuck in. So obviously, he feels a level of confidence in the way that he's he's feeling in, in terms of fitness. Um. So I look. I don't think he's too far away. Like it's still too early at the moment, but look, he's yeah. going to the tackles. He's getting himself involved. So I think he himself is confident in the way that he feels. And to be honest, he's had that many injuries that he he will know when when something's not hundred percent right. So no, it was, it was good to see him um, back in the team as well. So more to come. And speaking of more to come, more hips to come tomorrow, Greg. What's the score going to be? Hips against Dundee United away. Uh, I'll go 2-0 Hibs. We don't concede goals. Hey, no, no with Paul Hanlon at the back, we don't. Uh, yeah, Liam, correct. yourself. <laughs> I'm going to go 3-1. Repeat the last season's League Cup scoreline. I, 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 I think there's going to be goals in the game. And I think I think we'll, I think we'll show our intention, show our hand very, very early. And I think it'll be 3-1, but I think we'll probably leave a few out there as well. 
Um, Ryan, don't worry, we'll save the best till last. I'll go for 1-0, just because I think it's actually going to be correct. And every time I say 3-0 or 3-1 or 3-2, we only ever score 1-0. So I'll stick with that. But Ryan, yourself, what's the score actually going to be? You can enlighten us all now. Clean sheets, working games, 3-0 hubs. Love it. Absolutely love it. Unbelievable. So we've got a full house of wins, which we never had too much last season. But boys, uh, big it up every single time. But I absolutely love this section of the podcast. I think it's very fun. Um, and it is that time for listeners' questions. Uh, uh, for, for those that are listening, I tried to indicate to the boys to celebrate when I said that, and they did not oblige. Um, however, um, first question we've got, um, as we mention every week, um, Jeff Ashton prefers to send us statements as opposed to questions, which we enjoy, um, but I'll read out anyway and then we can kind of answer it best we can. Um, so Jeff said, the left wing conundrum, do you think fully fit Dimitri Mitchell is a better option for LJ's preferred style of formation. Um, we're not getting the best out of either Yuan um, or or when sorry, we're not getting the best out of either Yuan or when McCurdy is there. Um, it's really the only bit of the team not fully firing at the moment. So essentially, in short, um, would Demi Mitchell, if fully fit, start at left wing? No. We just get in the way. man. <laughs> um, and if I was to pivot that, if Aidan McGiddy was fully fit. We just start him at left wing. I yes. like the balance that McGeady would give us more than I like the balance Mitchell would give us. Because I think if you have Mitchell and Boyle, you've got two wingers that prefer to stay wide. I think you want a guy that's going to be prepared to come inside on one side. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why you add him still in the, the team to a large extent. I like McGeady better than Mitchell, but <sighs> Mitchell's a funny one. Like, I just don't even really know what to make him as a player. He actually looked quite good for a few few games and has been injured mm-hmm. ever since. So. The most I've seen of him was probably at left wing back when Maloney's shots fell and he played there a few times. I've not really seen him that far apart, although I think that's his natural position, eh? Aye. Yeah, what, what about yourself, uh, Ryan? If you had a starting left winger at Hibs, who would it be? A fully fit squad? Yeah, uh, probably echo what Liam says, to be honest with you. It does give you that bit of natural balance if you were to have Mickey D out there. The only thing is that he would need to improve in his end product from what he had earlier in the season if he wanted to be a mainstay. Fair. And Jeff also said, I wrote Paul Handler off after the Livy game. I was so wrong. He obviously he was obviously ring rusty after his injury and made me eat my words, apart from the St. Midden game where the whole defence were shite. Um, long may it continue. Him and Porto look super solid. Yeah, we, we, I think it's fair to say we all agree with that. I wrote Paul Handler off about six years ago. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, Mate, you I'm wrote about six years ago. I'm not oh. saying I've written him back on, but he has been he has been good. I'm interested in this, um, Greg, actually. I was thinking about this at the weekend. Um, what's your perspective on um, the importance of partnerships when it comes to centre defence? Because huge mate. Because I think if you look at if you look at kind of the successful sort of centre half partnerships, mm-hmm. ah, you've got the whole right left thing, which I think is important to an extent. But actually just in time, in terms of the type of two centre halves that they are, Portress and Hanlon, they're you couldn't really find two more different players, really, could you, to play that yeah. position in terms of their strengths? <laughs> and I just wonder, Portress has improved markedly over the last few weeks. Hanlon's come to the team, looks strong. It's almost kind of like the partnership's kind of re-established itself, eh? Yeah, I would absolutely agree. I think that sort of left-right balance is important. You've also got a goalie behind you that instills confidence, which we didn't have last season. You've got a left back and a right back that like to get forward and can also defend. 
So I think that defensive unit at the moment is pretty much where I would want to see it. You know, a goalie that can pass the ball, distribute, can pull off saves, shouts, talks, the lot. So really you've got the perfect balance here at the back. See, every time I, I, I might be still and I see David Marshall, I just think to myself, we are so fucking lucky to have him. Yeah. Like, well, under, look, uh, uh, because we would never get a goalkeeper of that quality in any other way than him being Scottish and yeah. this essentially just being the twilight of his career and him coming up for a couple of years mm-hmm. and probably transitioning to a coaching position. I just look at him and go, thank fuck we've got David Marshall. And it's not about any goalkeepers that came before or anything like that. He is just, he's just so, so impressive in everything that he does. I don't even think you can compare him to any other goalie because he's got a lot Usually Hibs goalies have got one area of the game that they maybe lack in, whether that's communication, shot stopping, distribution. He's got a lot. There's a reason he's captain. Mm. Ah, He's levels above above what we've had before in the last forever. Levels above. Well, Ryan, whilst we're singing the praises of the defence, I'm going to read you out our um, question followed by a statement and then you can just answer it how you see fit. Um, you and Craig, E. Craig 2-1 said, is it, a quince- or asked, sorry, is it a coincidence that Porto's return to form coincided with him playing next to a fully fit Paul Hanlon? Scott Miller 1 responded to that saying, for me, Hanlon coming back and allows him to play as the right-sided central defender where he's much more comfortable and can step into midfield to start attacks. Playing next to Rocky can't have been easy as, although he has improved, he's still very raw. One, is that harsh on Rocky who had a good start to the season? And two, um, as Liam and Greg were touching on, um, just how good a centre-back partnership is Porteous and Hanlon? It probably does kind of detract from how good a start Rocky did actually have for the season because when he was playing, he was probably our best player at that period in time. So um, I wouldn't say it would have been particularly hard to play beside him. I've got to remember, when Rocky was playing, Porto was they having a fine run of form at that point either. Um, however, Hanlon coming back in uh, probably complements Porteous um, when being able to play on his natural side and as the guys were touching on there, they're two very different players. So whereas one might go and attack the ball in the air, the other one will drop, um, one will go with the runner, one will sweep, you know, they probably complement each other in every area of the game because they're so opposite. And then also playing next to Cadden and Cabrillo on either side gives them that kind of balance as well as the goalkeeper who actually comes off his line to collect a one-on-one. You know, it's made a massive difference to everybody's game back there. I think it's looked absolutely solid. And I'll tell you, there's a few times that somebody's actually been in behind the defence, you know, because you've got the keeper starting at a high line, you've got guys with pace that can track back. I think, aye, it's just, it's all come together at the right time. Hey, indeed it has. Um, but a bit more fun questions on the agenda now. Um, LG and Cow 456 James Kinneberg asked, as a club, can we request to rearrange the New Year Derby to right now? Because I can't wait to see the jambles fall apart in front of my own eyes. Um, so I'll rephrase that so it's an easier question to answer. If we were to play at Tynecastle tomorrow, um, how many goals would we beat Hearts by? Greg, we'll come at you first. <laughs> yeah, nil nil boring draw. <laughs> um Liam, any disagreements with that? I would love to play them now about their centre half. So I must say like about how yeah. and rules. I would love to play them. I don't think they do anything hugely special, but it's just the players that they've got filling in there are so poor. Um Craig Gordon 
probably lucky not to have had another howler on top of his howler yesterday. Um, I, I would, I would love to, I would, <laughs> I'd love to, I'd love to play them on Saturday instead of going to Celtic Park. But we talk about importance, time, and the fixtures. That that game for us, to be honest, the draw came at entirely the wrong time of season for us. It wasn't a, it wasn't a good time in that derby, and we said that we'd have been better to play them on match day eleven rather than play them on match day two. But it wasn't to be. And Ryan, your thoughts if we play Hearts tomorrow, how would it go down? Nah, I think we should keep it in New Year because it'll be even worse by then. <laughs> yeah, by the time they come back from the World Cup, if any of their players come back from the World Cup, weird those. <laughs> um, I, so if, if it was me tomorrow, I reckon we'd beat them maybe 6 now if we were to play them tomorrow, but that's just me. Uh, unlucky Dundee United are going to face that instead. Um, and <laughs> <laughs> uh, Lee Rose, what a guy. Um, asked probably my favourite question we've received so far since we started this. Um, his question is, hearts are shite. More of a statement, <laughs> but thank you, Lee, for that. Um, I would and... tell I grow up, but, well, hmm, <laughs> I'd have a go. <laughs> um, I don't know what you're talking about. Um, but Joking, Lee, love Wilson, you. Uh, what a guy. Uh, Ewan Wilson asked, I don't know who this weirdo is with a name like that, um, how's the weather? Um in response to that, um, Greg, Liam, Ryan, you are all allowed one free slag off of Ewan. Uh, please feel free to cash that in whenever you want to before the end of the podcast. Um, Ewan, it is night time, so the weather's irrelevant. Bit of a stupid question. Um, <laughs> and I just hope... think the weather's been all right today. It's been quite a nice, nice winter day. Oh, a day. Nice, crisp, sunny day, eh? All I'm saying so... is three words. Wreck it, Ralph. <laughs> Six degrees Celsius on my dog walk this morning, June, if you're counting temperatures. I know you like to count seats occasionally, so count some temperatures. It was 11 degrees at 12 o'clock in the car. That's not bad. It's nearly tropical. <laughs> but to be honest, it's not quite tacky. What's, what's you and getting done in Turkey? Does anyone know? It must be his teeth, eh? <laughs> He's got a good I head of hair, so it must be his teeth. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. that. <laughs> Nah, I feel, I feel like his feelings for it was fluid. <laughs> He's got a Shankland. Hairline's <laughs> <laughs> not going back. The forties just getting bigger. <laughs> oh my goodness! All right, back on track. Back on track. And uh, Nick, yeah, um, if you're laughing, if you're if you're crying through the tears, mate, if you're crying through the laughter, then um, I'm not even sorry. <laughs> There was some sincerity there, Greg, to be honest. But Nick um, at Ball187 asked, well said, little over a month ago, many Hibs fans were up in arms and thought Hibs were going backwards under Lee Johnson and Ron Gordon's stewardship. Has the sentiment changed or is it just on hold pending our next shite result? We all know that football fans are so reactive and fickle, including ourselves. So as soon as we lose a game, it'll be back to to that I lost my shit deadline day because I thought we'd made an arse of the Harry McCarthy deal and we'd be left without a striker and we'd have to wait till Nisbet was back so I had a bit of a meltdown but just, football fans are so reactive to, to whatever's going on nobody looks at a long term game unless you're sensible uh, it'll not be long until the Ian Gordon out banner is getting unfurled again I think as as Greg said, it just takes a loss, man. But shouldn't it always be like that? Eh? There has to be a level of patience involved. Or you'll never get anywhere. Just sacking managers periodically every six months. Uh, look, I, I I don't think we should be sacking managers after a loss. But 
Like, no, but I mean, there is large sections of the fan base that start to question what's going on at the club as soon as you draw nil nil at home or something like that. I mean, there's more to think like about than that. For me, I already know it's going to be brought up when we do this again. Like, why is Jan playing? He's not scoring. Or, or typical Joe New, really, he wasn't good last year. He's, he's been okay this year. Josh Campbell, blah, blah, blah. Still no sign of centre half. Like, it's just the usual stuff that's going to be regurgitated when we do lose. Absolutely. Ah, you could, play, you could play Hibs, lost, meltdown, bingo, and you'd win every time. <laughs> Same stuff. Liam, any differing opinions from that? Nah, nah. Just like see if you're ever like ever at a, a low ebb, like go back a, like or even at a low ebb, see if you're ever at a high, right? And you're after a high after a Hibs defeat and you want a bit of perspective, go onto Facebook, right? And go into Hibernian Football Club on Facebook and look for the, the last status update when we lost the game and you just want to see some of the fucking comments that comes out on the <laughs> Facebook page. Like, Twitter's bad. Take a look at Facebook, eh? Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. Um, I, I don't mean to be harsh, but the average IQ of Facebook users is sub-zero, eh? Like, it's, no, it's, no, uh, it's really, really bad, eh? Like, people that respond to those things on Facebook, just, we've probably got a few people listening to do that, and I've just offended them all, but I don't really care, because it's <laughs> genuinely it horrendous. Cut it's it horrendous. Or there's a boy, uh, that boy Steve McKenzie on Hibs Twitter, he's the most negative guy in the world, eh? Like, Hibs could win, you know, and he'd be like, aye, but... Ron Gordon, I just don't care about his intentions. I think he's a bad guy. Like <laughs> everybody is always negative. Some people, eh? Some people. Oh, hmm. it is, but, but like we, we laugh about it, but really, it's not that funny. Um, I remember when we used under Jack Austin towards the end of his tenure in Maloney. Um, I think it was Craig Fowler who used to have um go live on Facebook with Edinburgh Evening News. And he would react to the game and all the comments under it would be like, oh, this, this is shite. Like, Hibs are shite. Like, get him out. Like, honestly, we wanted the manager sacked every week. Especially Maloney when it didn't start working for him. Folk were, were wanting him out. So, like, football fans want success every week and all the time. And and there's also the problem with football fans as well. As soon as they said someone's shite, they kind of double down until they're then shite. Yeah. Like nah, for example, yeah. Joan Yule, a few times I've said, I think he's had a pure season. I wouldn't like I don't I wouldn't mind seeing him drop for the team. And as soon as he starts playing well, I'm like, fair enough, he's made me look like an idiot. Fair enough. But most other fans would be like, <laughs> nah, he's still crap. He's just had one good game, he's getting away with it. Just mm-hmm. be happy to be proven wrong, people, if it goes good I for actually, you. I actually had someone say at the weekend that his stats that he's had this season are, are masking his performances. But, but, but I think he's been good and the stats don't lie, so... Stats don't lie, Greg, you're right. But stats also, Ryan, your eyes don't lie to you. So... <laughs> who do you listen to? Well, uh, moving on to the next question we've got... <laughs> Harry's got more eyes than the rest of us, but... All right, well, no, thank you for slagging my disability, Greg. Much appreciated. Um, but moving on to the next one, we've got Jack Kell, 1875, and he asked, is there anyone you consider resting versus Dundee United? A big one for me is Boyle, as he had no preseason and has played almost 90 minutes in every game, plus he started at an international level. That's a good point. To be fair, he didn't have the preseason, so he has been kind of thrown in for every single minute. Would you consider resting him, or do you think that the points on the board now are a bit more important? Just because his preseason was at Disneyland and he's blown Barry Mackay out of the water. Yeah. <laughs> I think, Ryan, I, 
he's probably too important to drop at this point. It's still so early on in the season. And um, that resting is probably the, the term that I would use for you, Anne, instead of dropping them. Aye. Well, we'll get a rest at World Cup. Australia will play three games and they'll be out. So That's the team I'm rooting for at the World Cup. Don't say that. <laughs> You're rooting for them, are you? Oh, Jesus, man. Oh, is, oh, is that oh fucking hell. Oh, no, that's <laughs> fucking plenty. Harry, oh, we'll have go. a discussion in the group chat oh. about why that rhetoric is unacceptable. Oh, fair oh. enough. Oh, God. Wow, the whole team hates me you again. You actually but... set yourself up for absolute pasting every week. I do, yeah. I just, I just, I try, I try to have fun with my friends, and then I realise that all my friends are my enemies. But anyway, you didn't like, you didn't like the fun club show, and he got away with saying nice player earlier on, Greg, and I didn't pick him up on it. I let him go because you'd already given him one, and I was like, I'll let him call that player oh. nice player. Do you, do you right? hear something really ironic, guys? I love Harry, right? I love Harry, but oh. he doesn't help himself. Like you can't say <laughs> half time properly. He has to say the half time. <laughs> like, he's now in that Boys. mindset where he can't Boys. even say half time like a normal person. How did they pronounce Inverness that week? Was it Inverness or something? Or yeah, Inverness. Inverness. Yes, <laughs> mm-hmm. like, come on, Inverness. <laughs> All right. Well, actually, Jack Jack had a two part question. At the end of his question, he literally said, "No Harry slander." So thanks, guys. You've let Jack down. But his question was, "What is your favourite type?" of cake and he said no slant no harry slander today mm. because i don't think broccoli cake exists so that's me getting roasted from everywhere including twitter thanks jack <laughs> um but favorite type of so cake, he wanted guys. no harry slander then slagged you off anyway yeah <laughs> what a guy yeah <laughs> yeah jack you're popular in these parts now mate but anybody got a favorite type of cake carrot cake oh solid the, like the icing on carrot you're gonna get slagged and never know that sweetie are they oh come on man like Solid cake in there. Very low down the list. I mean, like, yeah. I, w- I would probably, uh, hmm. either sponge cake or chocolate cake because I'm, I'm a normal guy. Sponge cake, you slag me I'm... for carrot cake. That's a bit basic, bitch, Greg, to be honest. Eh? <laughs> Ooh, I eat my well, chocolate cake me, when Love Island's say, on. Like, are, we, are we Victoria? <laughs> nah. Let me give me that. No, take that of you anyway, carrot cake. I'm more of the big one cake yeah. it's, it doesn't, doesn't really do much for me if I had to choose a cake it would probably be lemon drizzle I quite like a lemon drizzle cake but can I say something I've always wanted to try that I've never tried in the US office they have ice cream cake quite regularly yeah. when there's a party I've never had ice cream cake and I really want to know what it tastes like um, just to update you, um, Jack, if you go on Twitter, did find a picture of a broccoli cake, and it doesn't look good, guys, so um, don't look at that tweet. Um, but yeah, no, ice, ice cream cake does sound very interesting. Um, did you ever have cake from Costco? That that cake was like notoriously good. That was the cake that they would always bring into school uh, when it was someone's birthday. Um, but that cake, the icing on that, banging. Really good stuff. Um, and when I, when I went to school, everyone got their cakes for the every, most listeners who have been to Lethal know that exists in this place, but the Sicilian pastry shop in Albert Street, shout out to them because they're just absolute fucking diamond people. Eh? But the cakes at the Sicilian pastry shop in Albert Street are just absolutely ah, they're out of this world. Eh? The strawberry tarts and the cannolis out of there. Oh my god. Best, cannoli, best eh? They're a like godfather phrase. I like a cannoli. Like, <laughs> cannolis are good gear. <laughs> but boys I've got three more que- well four more questions for you um, and then we're good to wrap up so Kevin Wilson asked could Kenner turn out to be the discovery of the season in very impressive form right now 
I would say yes, it could be. Ah, he's heading in the right direction anyway. Um, my only concern at the start of the season was his distribution, but yeah, he's been all right recently. He's been all right. Fully agreed. Um, and then from my favourite listener um, to the podcast, we've got Elaine Lumsden. And she asked, is it time for you and you and to be dropped? And I think we've kind of answered that. Um, but the second part of the question, who do you think is our strongest attacking combination based on what you've seen so far? And you can either make it a two or a three, whatever your choice is. Nisbet's in that argument. From obviously what we've seen from him full season and a half. Boyle just leaves one other for me. I'm undecided. So far, I would say um, Nisbet, Kukrevich, and Boyle. I was going to say. Uh, would you be putting Kukurevich at white? I'll just say the, the three that played on Saturday because I've seen them play together often enough to say that I think they're a threat. Well, Elaine, I'll be bringing back the famous five myself. Um, so I'll be Kukurevich, Nisbet, Boyle, McCurdy. Um, is that four or five? It can be a two or three and then you proceed to give us five. <laughs> no, he's only given us four at the moment. Two and uh, Melkerson gets in as well. Four. Melkerson gets involved as well. What a guy. Um, he looked nice and direct when he came on. What a guy. Um, but yeah. Give away a stupid free kick though. <laughs> it doesn't fly, Liam. It doesn't fly, does it? No. <laughs> not. That, that is my pet hate when you can see it coming a mile off as well. You just look like, what you doing. I, I'd like, I'm surprised the management team can kind of hear us through the back of the East Stand, man. Absolutely blowing fuses up there. I know, Boys. particularly with the fog on it, as Brody like. Some chanter on him, eh? <clears throat> we've, we've got a two-part question, but I'd be shocked if he didn't know who the last question of the pod was from this week. Um, John McIntosh, of course. Um, he said, first of all, um, can we just appreciate how good Joe Neal and Paul Hanlon were on Saturday and this season in general? I, th- I think those are two players that did come under quite a lot of criticism over the summer and at parts last season. So I think definitely good shout out to them for being good. Yeah, that's a good point, John. Um, and then final question, um, Ryan, you can end us off, but Liam, we'll come to you first because you always tend to be fancy schmancy with it. Uh, what's for dinner? Uh, beef, Rogan Josh. Big job for last night. I like a Rogan Josh. Hey, Greg, what are we having? Yeah, it's bag ball. Solid. Was it was that Elaine cooking or are you cooking tonight? Yeah, it was Elaine cooking. Yeah. Nice. Well, Elaine, we always I, I trust Elaine cooks good dinner, so that is lucky you, Greg. Uh, uh, myself. She, she does, to be fair. Yeah, been um, cooking me good dinners for for many years now. Hey, I've got a <laughs> bass of fillets with mashed potatoes and garlic, uh, garlicky green beans. And for some reason, garlic and green beans actually goes really well together. Would recommend. Um, and Ryan, what are you doing for your dinner, mate? Wait a second, I'm going to ask. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute. Ryan's on tour. Oh my God, we've got a live reveal, guys. If you're not on YouTube, get on for the last couple of minutes here. This, this could go anywhere. Given Ryan's workplace, it'll be a trifle. And uh, probably, I don't know, like, and, 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 soup, trifle and cottage pie or something like that. I'm Stop. <laughs> I've been informed. I've been informed it's pulled pork buns. Ooh! No bad. Bit of halloumi. Yeah, no bad, no bad. Wait, to be honest, I've, like. 
I've, I've found out we are quite Halloween enthusiasts on this pod, by the way. Halloween's come up quite a few times. Uh, I love Halloween. It's oh, ve- very good cheese. Very good cheese. But... It's lovely. Bit, bit squeaky, but nice. <laughs> <laughs> bit squeaky. That's, that sounds like me. Um, yeah. <laughs> but, nice um, again. Liam, uh, see that? Nice again. Everyone's nice. Every week, every week I'm trying to be a nice guy, Greg. Yeah. Oh, every week. We're a bit soft. Uh, you're a nice guy. Right. Oh, I, was doing, I was doing so well, doing so well. But yeah, thanks everybody so much for listening. Ryan, thank you so much for joining us again. It was a pleasure to have you for pleasure. the second time. Thanks for having me on. Thank you. No, I'm, hopefully it'll be a bit faster uh, having you on again next time in the future. Liam, Greg, hope you both have a lovely week and tomorrow is the highlight of it, of course. And thanks everybody for listening. Goodbye. Good Take care. Care. Cabbage. God bless.